for the last two Sundays, we've been following the theme, going deeper, and particularly going deeper into the Word. That's what we spoke about, and the Word obviously being God's written Word. So today I want to speak about the same thing, but from, from the other side. So we need to go deep into the Word, but the Word needs to go deeper into us. And that's what I'm going to focus on, how the Word should have uh, not just deeper entry into our hearts and lives, but it also needs to exit. It needs to come out again because what God invests in you, He wants out again. And I'm going to show you that when you read or hear the Word or study the Word, it's, it's like a cycle that must be completed. <clears throat> so I'd like to call it the cycle of hearing. And uh, I, I normally have a few sessions, and today I only have limited time in one session uh, with you. So I'm going to ask for extra time. Is that okay? Tomorrow's a public holiday, so we can, I can take you up to dinner time. <clears throat> so uh, in, in order to find out what the cycle is that need to com complete it, uh, the cycle of hearing, I want us to look at the parable of the sower the seed and the soils in Mark chapter 4. To save time, I'm not going to read all of it because we're going to, to refer to most of the verses again. But if you read from verse 1 onwards, you'll find that Jesus was teaching uh, a great multitude. And then in verse 2, it says that he taught many things by parables. And this was one of the favorite methods of teaching of Jesus. Why did he use a parable? What is a parable? A parable is a simple fictional story about things that people are familiar with. They can relate to it. But the story would mean nothing without the spiritual explanation or application. So a parable usually has two parts. The story part, which is nice, but a it actually does not mean anything unless you understand the spiritual application. Now, if you read in verse 3, Jesus starts with a story part of the parable. And significantly, his first word is listen. And here's the story about a sower that went to sow. And he says some seed fell on the road. Uh, the birds came and picked it up, didn't produce anything. Uh, other seed fell on stony ground not deep enough, uh, produced a plant, but it had no root and couldn't bring forth any fruit. Then the seed that fell among the thorns and uh, grew up with the thorns, but the thorns eventually choked it. And then in the last instance, in verse 8, he speaks about seed that fell on good ground and yielded a good crop, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Then from verse 9 onwards, Jesus speaks about something important because he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in verse 14, after his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? He starts explaining it. And so the explanation is from verse 14 to verse 20, and we'll look at it as we go along. And then again, Jesus uh, finishes with some words after that. And in ver verse 23, very significantly, he says, again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So here's what I want to do. I want to approach this uh, parable in this way. Let's 
first of all, ask ourselves, what is the theme? What is the message of the parable? What is the truth that Jesus wants to bring across to us? And um, let me, before we do that, look at verse 13. When the disciples asked Jesus about the meaning, he said these words to them. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So in my opinion, this is the most important parable that Jesus ever taught. Because he says, if you do not understand this one, forget about understanding the rest. But if you understand this one, it will unlock things for you. In verse 11, he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So this parable is a key to the mysteries of the kingdom. And therefore, uh, I think it's important. I want to give you homework again. Go and study this at home. Go and meditate this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and illuminate truths to you because it is an important parable. So let's try and find out what the theme is. It's interesting. I pointed out in verse 3, the very first word that Jesus said is, listen. That's at the beginning. So there are some other clues strategically placed. As soon as Jesus finished the story part of the parable, he says in verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he gave the explanation, again, at the end in verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, hear. So that already gives us a clue. This parable is about hearing, but not just about hearing because uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see w- what it is about. But let me first, before I get there, explain to you what Jesus meant by he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was not speaking to people that were deaf because their ears worked. He says, he who has ears to hear. He who has ears that are working, let them use them. <laughs> Maybe I should, I should put the words of Jesus in, in a way that you could relate to it. Well, I could relate to it because it's something that I heard quite often as a child. My mother used to say to me, what are those things on the side of your head? Are they ears or are they ornaments? Does it sound familiar? You might have heard something similar. This is exactly what Jesus was saying to the people. What are those things? They're supposed to hear. They're not ornaments. So let me say this. Here's the deep spiritual lesson that Jesus was trying to to teach. I I know it's deep. I'm going to say it slowly. Ears were made for hearing, not for earrings. Now, if you're wearing earrings, relax. I'm not the kind of preacher (laughs) that that preaches on that. But here's the message. Before ears have an ornamental purpose, they have a functional purpose. Doesn't matter how good your ears look. if If you don't use them, they are useless. And, you know, in this case, what we need to understand, you know, 
people can still pray for your physical hearing if you have a hearing problem. But when it comes to spiritual hearing, prayer has limited value. It will take a decision from your side to say, I'm going to use my ears to hear spiritual truths. I heard a story about a guy, there was a a visiting evangelist in the church and he invited people with special needs afterwards to pray for them. And when he, the preacher came to this man that came out, he said to him, what can I pray about? And he said, please pray for my hearing. So the preacher put his hands on his ears and when he finished, he says, how's your hearing now? He says, no, my hearing is only coming up in court this Wednesday. So spiritual hearing is the kind of thing that you cannot really pray about. (laughs) You need to just make a a decision. So we know already the theme is about hearing, but look at verse 14. The sower sows the word. So it's not just about hearing, it's about hearing God's word. That's the theme of the parable. And then I want to add something else. Look at verse 24. In uh, Mark's version, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. So Jesus is saying there are different voices. There are different messages that we can hear. But interesting, in Luke's version of the same parable, Luke puts it this way. Jesus said, take heed how you hear. So if Jesus said, and he did say, take it what you hear, he's emphasizing the importance of hearing the right thing, the word of God. But if he said, take it how you hear, he's saying there are not just different things you can hear, there are different ways of hearing. And in fact, this parable, in my opinion, is all about the different ways or the different measures of hearing, the different stages in this whole cycle. So uh, um, there are some interesting facts I'll quickly share with you when you go and study this at home. Uh, Note these three things. Firstly, go and see that the same seed was sown in all four places. It wasn't different, but it produced different results. And I'm sad to say, everybody here today will hear the same word, but will not produce the same results. And I'm going to show you, it's up to you, what the results will be. The second thing that I want you to notice, uh, uh, if you go and study this at home, you will find that all four groups of people that Jesus would speak about here, everybody heard the word. It's not that they didn't hear, but they heard in different measures. And then the third thing that you can go and check out is that every time the word, the seed, had deeper access. One stayed just on on the surface on the road. Secondly, it fell among thorns, not deep enough ground. It it went a little bit deeper. Thirdly, it it, it fell deep, but thorns grew up and choked it. And then in the last instance, there was good soil that produced. So summing it up, the parable is about hearing. It's about hearing God's word. It's about realizing that there's a whole cycle And it's about making sure that you complete the cycle of hearing God's word. So let's look at the stages of the hearing process. Stage one, the seed that fell on the wayside. In verse four, 
Jesus said, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. In verse 15, Jesus explains it and he says, these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown and when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So interesting, think about it this way. The seed never entered the ground. It fell on the road. The birds came immediately and devoured it. So what does this represent? What stage, if you apply it now to us, hearing the word, and I believe here's what stage one is, when you hear the word with your physical ear. Because that's how God designed you, spirit, soul, and body. So here, your body, your physical ear uh, uh, plays the important role here. You will be familiar with the expression that says, in by the one ear, and out by the other one. These guys were worse. It went in by the one ear and out by the same ear. It never had a chance to hit some gray matter in between on its way through. And, and you know, I, I sometimes see people in, 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 in church. And you know, I'm preaching my heart out and I watch some people sometimes. And then they get that glassy-eyed, faraway look in their eyes. And I know they are here, but they don't hear. (laughs) And you can sit with your eyes wide open. You might not even be sleeping. You see, your eyes have eyelids, but your ears don't have earlids. (laughs) So I cannot see whether you are hearing the word. But somewhere, I don't know where the switch is. Somewhere in your in your setup, you have a remote control. You can change the channels while you're sitting here. And you look at me quite intelligently, but you don't hear anything. Because you're thinking of, what am I going to have for lunch? (laughs) Now, here's what Jesus said. The birds came and they devoured it immediately. He says, he explains it, he says, Satan comes immediately and he uh, picks up the seed it, it, it didn't have entrance so it, that's how far it got just the physical year and sometimes you know there will be all kinds of distractions in the service because you're sitting behind somebody and you see what is that on the head here is that a little bug in the hair and you you get so distracted that you don't hear the word I want to put it this way you hear sounds but not words And it doesn't make any sense if you don't understand it. I I want to quote um, Dr. David Yonggi Cho, and I cannot really say it better than what he did. He said it this way, God takes the brush of the Holy Spirit, dips it into the paint of the word, and starts painting pictures on the canvas of your heart. You see, words should create pictures. If you only hear sounds, they cannot be a picture. And that is why faith comes by and hearing by the word. When you hear the word, it paints a picture in your heart. You can apply your faith and that picture will become reality. 
But if you don't hear words, there will not be any pictures and therefore it will not produce fruit. Now here's what I want you to see because I'm going to show you the progression. It says the seed never entered. Three things, no plant, no root, no fruit. Zero out of three. And uh, last aspect before I continue, look at the time aspect here. It says Satan comes when? Immediately. While you're sitting here. By the time you walk out the door, you forgot what the word says. And Satan comes to steal the word. He comes to church more than some of you. (laughs) And so it produces nothing. Stage two, the seed that fell on stony ground. In verse five and six, Jesus says, it fell on stony ground, didn't have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. So it's better this time. There was a plant that sprang up unnaturally, but it had no root, still no fruit. One out of three. It's getting better, but the cycle is not completed. So what is stage uh, two? Verse 16, Jesus says, likewise, these are the ones on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So, When you've heard the word with a physical ear, the next stage is to receive the word with your mind. Now listen carefully. I said receive, not understand. Sometimes you don't understand exactly how the word works. It's interesting that in the same chapter in in Mark 4, verses 26 and 27, Jesus teaches a a mini parable about uh, a man that would scatter seed and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. And then he says these words, he himself does not know how. Guess what? You do not have to be an agricultural specialist, a botanist to know uh, uh, or to, to plant something and produce fruit. All you need to do is put the seed in the ground. You don't have to know. Sometimes we want to figure out how is God going to do this? When his word says this, just receive it. Even if you don't understand it. Leave the seed there and it has the ability to produce by itself. You can go rest. You can go sleep. You don't have to know. It will produce by itself. So don't dig it up and and ask yourself, how is it going to happen? Now, here's something that I want to point out. It says they received, these people received the word with gladness, emotion. But that was how, how deep the word went just the emotional level, maybe intellectual level, uh, a a gladness. So I I want to illustrate it this way, and this is not originally uh, my illustration. Campus Crusade for Christ used this. I adapted it a a little bit, and I want to call it the faith train. So you can see there's a locomotive representing the facts. There's a cold car representing faith, my faith. And then there's the last car, Usually the conductor's car in America, they call it the caboose. That represents feelings. So here's what some people do. 
Instead of putting their faith in the facts, in the word, that's what we're supposed to do. They put their faith in their feelings, in their emotions, and they want to feel different. And they load the last car full of coal and they set it alight. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of commotion, but there's no locomotion. So that's what happens sometimes. People have an emotional experience in church, but they have not allowed the word to go deep enough. Here's what you need to do. You need to put your faith in the facts, whether you feel different or not. And then when your faith sets the word alight, guess what? The train starts moving and what follows? Feelings. Nothing wrong with feelings, but it should follow your spiritual experience. Jesus said, love the Lord your your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul, and with all your strength. So there is a place, but we must not allow the word to to not not go uh, deep enough. Um, I I want to tell you the story about a pastor in a city in South Africa. He was called out to pray for one of the women in the church. She was sick at home. And he went and he read the word of God. He said, by his stripes we healed and went about his business. And that evening he received a phone call. She took a turn for the worse. She landed up in hospital. So he went to see her and he stood by her bed and she complained. She said, pastor, you read the word. You said by his stripes I'm healed. I'm worse. He said, and the Lord gave him this picture. And he, he asked her, have you ever heard of people living in a rented house? But then they do not uh, fulfill their part of the contract. They don't look after the house. They don't maintain it. In, fa- in fact, they, uh, uh, they get notice from the landlord that they must move out. So they're actually evicted. And because they are now mad at the landlord, the day they move out and they carry the cupboard, they scrape it against the passage wall as they, they go out to cause more damage because they're spiteful. When they get to the garden gate, they kick it and it stands skew like that because they want to be spiteful. So she says to him, Pastor, I'm a sick woman. Why are you telling me the story? He said, we gave the devil notice this morning. He's been evicted. (laughs) And he said she, she understood what it was about. And there and then she received a healing. You see, what you need to do, I mean, let's give the Lord a a hand for that. You see, tribulation and persecution, trials will come. That's what it says here. It says that that, uh, uh, the tribulation and and the persecution came for the word's sake. Let Let me just say this. The devil is not after you. You are no threat to the devil without the word inside of you. Persecution, tribulation, those things arise. Go and read what it says there. For the word's sake. If the devil can remove the word out of you, you are harmless. And that's why he will do everything to try and cancel the word. He sends tribulation, persecution. 
if, uh, if I planted, say, an acorn outside here, and after 14 days I said to Alex, please go and, and, and pull that tree out, it's easy, you can use two fingers. But if I leave it there for 14 years, it's a different story. Because there's now more tree under the ground than above the ground. And Satan knows the sooner he can cancel the word, the better for him. Once it takes root in your heart, it's too late. Hallelujah. So keep the word there. doesn't matter uh, 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 what happens. Let me, let me continue to, to stage three. The seed that fell among thorns. Maybe I should just tell the story I told it in the, in the first service before I get to this. You see, you hear with the physical ear, then you receive it with your mind, and then it must drop into your spirit. I'll get to that in a moment. I attended a conference in the United States many years ago when they still had audio tapes. And uh, they were advertising, one ministry had this exhibition, they were advertising audio tapes. And it caught my attention because it said, take these tapes home, put them in your tape player. When you play them, you won't hear a thing. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. I read a little bit further. They said, what you do not know is that we actually recorded scripture on these tapes. But at such a high frequency that the human ear cannot hear it. Like a dog whistle. You know, dogs can hear a higher frequency than we can. So here's what they say. Put it in there and just play it. Although you cannot hear anything, your faith will be built up in a sublime way. Subliminal hearing. The Greek word for that is rabish. It just does not happen that way. God designed you spirit, soul, and body. Your mind is the gateway to your spirit. God is not going to take an illegal shortcut in his own creation. If you want the word in your heart, you cannot just go and sleep with, with, your, with your tape player next to you. You have to hear the word, read the word, study the word, meditate on the word. Okay, let me continue. Stage three, the seed that fell among thorns. Jesus says in verse seven, some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. So let me say this. First stage, to hear with a physical ear. Second stage, to receive the word with your mind. Third stage, I'm gonna show you that you need to believe the word with your heart. And in this case, in the first case, no plant, no root, no fruit. Then we saw a plant, no root, no fruit. In this case, although it doesn't say it directly, we can assume that there must have been a root. So there was a plant, there was root, but it still yielded no crop, it says. Why? Because together with a good seed, some bad weed would come up. And some thorns would come and choke the word. And Jesus explains it in verses 18 and 19. He says, it's uh, those people who hear the word. And then three things play a role here. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. They enter in and choke the word. And here's what we, what we need to understand. And I, I want to give you three key words. And you can go and check this out at home. Distract. Deceive and desire. 
The word cares in the Greek literally means something that distracts, something that causes division, something that separates you. And that's, he says, the cares of this world will do that. Then the deceitfulness of riches. It's not riches that is wrong, but the deceitfulness of riches. It can deceive you. And then the desire uh, concerning other things coming in and, and choke the word, and it did not produce uh, ripe fruit. So, is it not good enough to believe the word with your heart? No, it's not. So let's look at the last stage, and you'll see the last stage. Just look at me for a moment. If the word entered in like this, and it took three stages to get there, the last stage uh, encompasses all three of those things, but in the reverse order. From your heart, it must now exit. I'm going to show you that when you believe the word, it must, on its way out, change your thinking. Go and meditate on this. The word does not change you on its way in, but on its way out. And then it must not just change your thoughts, but your confession and your conduct. So here's how Jesus explains it in verse 20. He says, the good ground is those who hear it, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So it's a whole cycle that must be completed. And if you have not completed the last phase, you have not heard properly. Let me uh, share with you what James writes in James chapter 1. And you can, again, it's not on the screen, but you can go and check it out at home. In verse 19, he starts this way. He addresses his, uh, the people that he's writing to as my beloved brethren. Whenever you see the word brethren or beloved in the New Testament, you must know he's addressing believers. Here he uses both terms, my beloved brethren. So these are people that are already born again. And then he says to them, be, let every man be swift to hear. Hear what? The word. And be slow to speak. Swift to hear, slow to speak. That's why God bless you with two ears and one mouth. <laughs> and then he goes on and he says uh, at the end of verse 21, receive with meekness. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Meekness actually means, or one of the facets of the meaning is teachableness. Flexibility in your mind. Not becoming rigid in your thought patterns. But he says, receive the implanted word, past tense. Look at me. The word goes in through the physical ear, through your mind. In your heart, that's where you believe it. He's not talking about this part of receiving. He's saying the word is already implanted. It's there. Receive is this way. Because here is where a lot of people have a block. When the word wants to go up here, there's a blockage. I call those people the concrete Christians. Because their minds are like concrete. Thoroughly mixed up and completely set. And they become so rigid in their thought patterns that the word cannot change their thinking. You see, on its way out, the word must 
change your thinking. Here's what, what, what James says. Let me read it again. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Remember, he's speaking to born again believers. This might shock you, but I'm going to say it as the Bible says it. You can be born again without your soul being saved. What does that mean? Does it mean you're not going to heaven? No. When you're born again, you are saved. Jesus already purchased your place in heaven. But here's your soul. You see, your spirit has been made new. But your soul, let me use Paul's words. He says, your mind must be renewed. Your soul must be saved, must be made whole. Your thinking must change. And that's what he says, without you allowing the word to come out, it will, it will just not happen. So it's so important. Let me again quote Dr. Yonggi Cho, and I'm going to, to obviously paraphrase what, what he said. But he says that man was made on the pattern of the tabernacle. Uh, I, I want to give you this illustration so you can see what the tabernacle looks like. And he compares the tabernacle with your body. If we can get that, uh, there we go. You can see that the tabernacle had, had three sections. The outer court, look on the left, the holy place, and the holy of holies. On the right-hand side, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, the word comes in the entrance there at the top. It goes through the outer court, the physical uh, uh, part of your body. It goes into the holy place. That's your soul. And then it should drop into your spirit. And that is where the seed germinates. Now, here's what, what uh, uh, Dr. Cho says. He says, you are only born again once as much as there is activity in the tabernacle only one day in a year. The new birth only takes place once. You're not born again, again. I grew up in a church where the preaching made you feel you lost your salvation in the week and you had to come and get it again the next Sunday and you got born again, again and again. I rededicated my life so many times. My rededicator wore out. But I, I discovered in the word of God, you're only born again once. But it's not in the holy of holies, but in the holy place that there needs to be daily activity because there were three pieces of furniture or equipment in the holy place. The golden lampstand, the incense altar, and the table of showbread. Daily there had to be fresh bread, fresh incense, and the lamp had to be kept burning fresh oil. And here, spiritually, is... is what ha should happen in your life. There must be, listen to me, here. There must be fresh bread. The bread of the word. There must be fresh incense. Worship. The, the flame must keep burning. The zeal for God. You need to fan that flame and use the gifts that God has given you. On a daily basis. Can anything good come out of Lamentations? Yes. Go and read Lamentations 3 and you'll find it says this, that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Now I know some of the younger guys, you will have to go and Google this, Noor, because you don't know what I'm talking about. 
but I grew up with someone that we called the milkman. How many can remember the milkman? Did you ever have the milkman? What did he do? He came and (laughs) delivered the milk on your doorstep. And he was faithful. And the scripture says about God, great is his faithfulness. His mercies are near. And I could say the same of our milkman. Great was his faithfulness. (laughs) He was there every morning with fresh milk. But I had to, we had to go and take the milk. So here's what God does with great respect. God delivers fresh mercies on the doorstep of your heart every morning. You don't have to live on last week's fresh uh, sour mercies. There's something fresh for you. But therefore, there must be daily activity, not just in your heart, but here. And that's what, what must happen. That cycle must be completed and your mind must be renewed on, on a daily basis. So let me bring all of this to a conclusion. Why did Jesus teach this parable and tell us there are four stages? Did he want us to stop after stage one or stage two or stage three? No, the devil wants to. He comes to steal the word. He sends persecution persecution and tribulation. He sows the thorns in our hearts. God wants you to complete the cycle. And in fact, in the last stage, there's even progression there. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. You decide how much fruit you will bear. So let me conclude by speaking about the responsibility of bearing fruit. Jesus said, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So God gives this to you, but then you need to respond. In verse 24 of Mark 4, Jesus said, Take heed what you hear, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So God gives the seed, but you need to hear. And I like the Amplified. It it, it says, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. And then in the next verse, Jesus says something. And when I read this for the first time, I thought, this is such an unfair statement. And in the Bible of all books, because here's what he says. He says, whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And when I read Luke's version, it it shocked me even more because Luke says, whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken. He doesn't even have it. And I thought, how can Jesus make such an unfair statement? And I realized when I understood the parable, he's not speaking about material possessions or anything else. He's speaking about the truth of the word. If you hear the word and receive it, you have it. He's going to give you more. That's what he says. But if you sit here and you just say, oh, nice sermon, nice bedtime story. Let's go home. Even what you think you have will be taken from. 
And this principle was literally demonstrated that day. Go and read the parable. I wish I had the time to to explain to you. Go and read in the first couple of verses of, of Mark 4. There were multitudes, great crowds. Then Jesus tells the story part of the parable. And in verse 10, it says, When he was alone, the crowds left. Before he could explain the parable. Before the life-changing truth could be communicated, they left. And who asked him about the meaning? The disciples. They already had. So to them more was given. But the crowd who thought they had, even what they thought they had was taken away from them. And I want to say this. You actually determine how much blessing there will be in your life. You determine whether there will be 30-fold or 60-fold or 100-fold fruit in your life. It just depends on the measure that you use when you hear the Word. If you finish after stage one, nothing. Stage two, nothing. Stage three, nothing. Even if you believe the Word. Unless you become a doer of the Word, there will be no fruit in your life. That's what Jesus said. But I want to encourage you. Jesus told this parable to say, it's not just possible, but it's God's ideal that you become a hundredfold. Amen.